The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. series right now called Why We. Everybody say, Why We? we? And what we're doing in this series is we're talking about why we do what we do and and how we do it. We're talking about the vision and values of New Song Church. Uh, We started this series last week talking about the why we exist as a church. I'll see if you guys remember. We exist to help people know God, right? And when we say we want to help people know God, here's what we mean by that. We want to help people step into a real relationship with God. Not an information ship with God, not a religion where they just kind of go through the motions and do these things to try to get to heaven. No, no, no. We want to encounter a real relationship with God on this side of heaven, and we can have that with the Lord where He's leading us and guiding us and directing us and helping us. And so we said as a church, since we want to help people know God, we have five values that we have as a church that help us help people know God. Because we want to help people know God, we value reaching the lost. We value creating worshipers. We value developing disciples. We value building the family. And we value activating difference makers. And so this series is about going through all five of those things. Uh, Last week we talked about uh, the first one, which is reaching the lost. And that we as a church exist to help people come that are are lost or away from God. Help them to come to really know God. And to step into a real relationship with Him. And that there's people in the world that they don't have a relationship with God. They are, they are lost. They are, they are outside of the family of God. And because we know that, we know that they're on a path towards destruction and a path towards hell. And so we want to reach those people. But, but also understand this. Reaching the lost, there's not just one lost, right? There's lots of different kinds of lost. And there's some people that are completely lost. But then there's some people inside of our church sometimes Maybe even you sometimes that have experienced being a little off track. Maybe you find yourself lost in in your marriage, or you find yourself lost in a sin, or you find yourself in these areas of your life where you just, you need a little help. Well, because God's about all, we as a church are about all. And we want to reach lost people wherever they may be, whether they're completely lost and they're on a path towards hell, or maybe they're, they're just, they're going to heaven, but they're experiencing some hell on earth. We want to help people wherever they may be. And so this week, I want to talk to you about the next step, uh, the next thing that we value as a church in helping people know God, and that is this, creating worshipers. We want to help people know God, and so we value creating worshipers. So let's just jump right into this. You can get out your new song notes, follow along with me. That first blank there, here's here's the fill in the blank for that. You were created to worship. You were created to worship. God created you and designed you, and it's in your DNA to be a worshiper. Okay, so that's interesting though, right? Because I just said that we as a church exist to, to help people become worshipers. We want to create worshipers as a church. And yet I just told you that you already kind of are a worshiper, right? So what do I mean? Well, here's what I mean. Because you were created to be a worshiper, the problem, the issue that most of us deal with is not, are you worshiping? The issue is that we worship the wrong stuff. Yeah. That we, we fix our worship on the wrong stuff and, and, and we have things in our life that we place in positions higher than how, where we should have God. Now, I'm not saying you can't have things in your life that you don't enjoy, that you don't love. We can have those things. The problem is when we allow those, when those things get elevated to a place above God, and then you don't have those things anymore, those things actually have you. And it's very easy to do. Why? Because we were created 
to be worshipers. So we have to be intentional with our worship. We have to choose to fix our worship on the right thing. The Bible says this. Let me, let me show you this in Scripture. Isaiah 43, verse 7. This is God talking. He says this. He says, bring to me all the people who are mine, whom I made. So God made us. How did he make us? Look at this. For my glory. So this verse says that we were made to bring glory to God. That word glory there is the Hebrew word doxa. Doxa means, one of the definitions of doxa is to worship. So you can literally read that verse as, bring to me all the people who are mine, whom I made for my worship. We were created to worship. You were designed and created by God to be a worshiper. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory. Again, that word glory is the Hebrew word doxa. Do it all for the glory. Do it all for the worship of God. So, so we're told in these two verses, God created us. He designed us to worship him. And, and then he tells us that that's what he wants us to do. He designed us to worship him. So, so we understand that we were created for worship. It's a part of our DNA. It's a part of our makeup. The issue is not, are you a worshiper? The issue is, what are you worshiping? Here, here's how God kind of put it to me this week. If you're not choosing to worship God, if you're not being intentional with your worship to God, you're not choosing to worship nothing, you're actually choosing to worship everything else. If, if we're not really being intentional and, sp- and, and strategic with the worship of our life and making sure that we're putting God on the throne that he deserves to be on, it's not that we're just choosing not to worship, we're actually putting everything else in that position. God created you to worship him, capital G God. And yet it's really easy. We all know this. It's really easy to find these little lowercase g gods that we worship. We, we don't fix our worship on the creator and we end up worshiping creation. But understand, you were created, you were designed to be a worshiper. Now, I, I used to hear this idea. And if I'm just being real with you, it kind of, like, it wasn't very inspirational for me personally. Like I would hear it and I just kind of thought, that's just kind of a weird deal. Like, let let me explain it like this. Let me give you an analogy. I want you to imagine that there's somebody out there, and they are amazing, like, just an incredible person. They're rich, and they're famous, and they're good-looking, and they're just everything that you can imagine in a person. And you find out that this person wants to have a relationship with you. It's kind of like, okay, that sounds kind of cool, right? And then you find out the kind of relationship they want to have with you. This is the kind of relationship. They want to have a relationship with you where you are always just singing their praises all the time telling them how great they are. And when they enter a room, you bow down and you begin to just kind of say, oh, you're so much better than me, you know. B- Wayne, Wayne and Garth from Bill and, you know, that whole thing. Like, we're not worthy, you know, that whole thing. And, and you tell the people around you, like, they're so much better than me and they're so much better than you. And, and, but we do this, and here's why we do it. Because if we do this really well, this person will give us stuff. Like, they'll take care of us, they'll help us, they'll hook us up. And so it's kind of, yeah, I guess it's, it's worth it, right? But at the same time, like, I don't know about you, but that doesn't feel like a really good relationship to me, right? We're talking about relationship, helping people know God. That's not the kind of relationship I'm looking for. That sounds to me like an entourage. Like, you know, an entourage, like those people, there's like a famous athlete or musician or, or movie star, and they have an entourage of people that kind of are around them. These hangers on that are just kind of there, just kind of riding their coattails, getting freebies from them, and just stroking their ego, telling them how amazing they are. I don't know about you, but that just, that's not appealing to me. But that's kind of what I thought worship was. 
Like for whatever reason, God needs me to just tell him how great he is and to stroke his ego and he designed me to do this. And so I better do it because if I do it really good, he'll, he'll hook me up. He'll take care of me. He'll give me stuff and my life will be better. So, so yeah, I'll do this. I'll, I'll bring a sacrifice of praise because it's worth it, right? I want you to know if that's how you see worship, you don't see worship the right way. It's not what worship is. In fact, worship, if, if you really break it down, the biblical definition, the best biblical definition of worship is, is two words. It's this, it's love expressed. Like that's your second blank this morning. Worship is love expressed. Now, with that idea in mind, think back to the analogy I just gave you. Imagine if there's an incredible person, the most amazing person, good looking, like rich, powerful, just th- this incredible person and they want a relationship with you. And this is the kind of relationship with you that they want. They want a relationship where, where you love them and they can love you. And, and it goes a step further. How you love them is not going to base how they love you back. They've actually already expressed their love to you in the greatest expression of love that has ever existed. And they're going to continue to pursue you and, pretend, and going to continue to serve, like go after you and chase after you with this love, whether you ever choose to love them or not. That is where we find ourselves when it comes to worship, my friends. See, worship is not about trying to win over God. Worship is not about trying to get something from God. Worship is not about trying to stroke the ego of God and manipulate him into doing what it is that you want him to do. No, no, no. Worship is simply love expressed. And in this love, this expression of love that we're giving to God, understand, you're not initiating the love. You're responding to the love. He's already initiated the love. You're just responding to the love that He's already given you. The Bible says it like this in uh, John, 1 John four nineteen, It says, we love Him. Remember, we're talking about love expressed, right? We love Him. That's what worship is. We love Him because, look at this, He first loved us. Listen, Jesus made the first move towards you long time ago. And he made the first five million and continues to pursue you and continues to make moves towards you in love. That's what he's done for you. Worship is our response to his love. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates. Another word for demonstrates is expressed. God demonstrated. He expressed his own love towards us and that while we were still sinners at our worst, at our ugliest, Christ died for us. Before you ever took a step towards God, he took tons of steps towards you. Before you existed. See, that happened. Jesus died on the cross over 2,000 years ago. None of us were here then. But he did that. In fact, the Bible says that that as he was going to the cross, it was for the joy that was set before him, that he endured the cross, despising the shame. The joy that was set before him as he walked towards the cross was a relationship with you. The, the, The cross is the ultimate act of love. It's God expressing his love to you and his, his goodness to you. God is the initiator of this love. We're just responding to it. And so what we understand when we come into an atmosphere of worship is not this worship is about me trying to get God to respond. It's me responding to the love he's already given me. Maybe you've been there before where you've kind of find yourself going into an atmosphere of worship and, and you kind of find yourself, I've been guilty of this, where you're kind of like, man, man you know, I've got some needs in my life. Anybody have any needs in their life? You came to church today, you've got some needs. If you're not lifting your hand right now, you're lying, and you need, you need to repent. That's your need right now, okay? So we got needs, right? we got needs. We all come with needs. And so sometimes if we're not careful, we can come into an atmosphere of worship, and we're kind of like, okay, God, i got these needs, so, so I'm going to bring it today in worship. Like, I'm going to get it. 
And if I get it really good, then I can get God to give me the stuff I need. Right? So I'm going to get it, and then God's going to get me the stuff I need gotten. That's how we kind of approach worship. Let me ask you something. In a relationship, if you have a relationship with someone, and you do stuff for them just to try to get them to do stuff for you, what do we call that? That's called manipulation, right? See, me and my wife, I've been married to my wife for 15 years. 15 years ago, Sarah said, I do to me. And I'm just telling you, I have not been able to get over that yet. Like I really, you guys, if you've seen my wife, you know I did really well. And if you know my wife, you know I did really well. Like she's a saint, okay? She's an amazing, amazing girl. And so I have an incredible relationship with her because she said I do. I I don't do stuff to try to get stuff from her. Like for example, okay, uh, in our home, there are things that I do that go outside of my job description or maybe, I don't know, maybe there is no job description. Yeah, but I'll do stuff like, okay, in my home, I do 90% of the laundry in my home. Now, now, when I say that, guys, let me, let me explain this to you, because some of you guys, some of you guys don't get it, okay? When I say that, I don't mean I put it in the washing machine and press go, right? That's not washing it. I, that's step one, okay? There's a second step. You take it out of the washing machine, and you put it in the dryer, because if you don't, it mildews in the washing machine, right? So I do that, but I'm not, still not done, people. Uh-uh. I take it out of the dryer after it's dry, and I fold it. The women are loving this. <laughs> hear, hear me, man. Yeah, hear me. So I fold it. And listen, I used to work, when I was in high school, I worked at Abercrombie and Fitch. And so, yeah, so people like KJ would come in to buy cargo shorts, and he'd try on 50 <laughs> pairs of them and leave them, in the, leave them in the dressing room. And I had to go get them all and fold them. So I got good at folding. I could fold some laundry. So I, I wash it, I dry it, I fold it. But I'm still not done, people. I put it away. Where it goes. I'm expressing my love to my wife. Now, hear me. When I do this, I, I really, I don't, I don't do this because I'm trying to get something from Sarah. I do it because I already have something. I already have. What do you? I'm not saying I won't take something. Back, hey, get your mind holy, holy. But I don't, I I really, I don't do it to try to get something from Sarah. I do it because I already have something in Sarah. I have a relationship with her. 15 years ago, she said, I do. And so now what I do is in response to what she has done, which has come into my life and be a part of my life. And she does stuff for me and I do stuff for her. We have a relationship together. In the same way, listen, when we're responding to God in worship, we're not initiating that response. He's already taken the first step. We're, we're, we're responding to what he's done. And I'm not trying to get something from God. I'm not trying to manipulate God into giving me the things I need. I, I don't need to do that. See, understand this. When you worship God, you're not worshiping God to try to get a breakthrough. He already broke through. He already made a way. And so in worship, I'm worshiping in faith in response to the fact that he already made a way. I'm not trying to get God to move the mountain. He's going to move the mountain. I know that. So I'm, tr- I'm, I'm worshiping him and praising him and loving him and expressing my love to him in spite of what I might see because I know he's going to come through because that's what he does. You guys tracking with me this morning? So I'm not trying to get something from God. I'm trying to give God in, something, the love that I have in my heart in response to what he's done for me. But understand this. Here's point number three. 
You need to understand this because this is important to worship. That God is a giver. God is a giver. Now, I think if you were to kind of take God and kind of boil him down to a few sentences that kind of summarize what God was about. Real simple sentences. One of those simple sentences would be God gives. That's just who God is. The most famous verse in, in the Bible, the one that they hold up on signs behind the goalposts that we all see, John three sixteen. What is it? God so loved the world that he gave. Yes. So he loved us. So he, he expressed his love by giving. That's, that's the gospel. That Jesus came as a gift to this world. In fact, this is what Jesus said, Luke twelve thirty two. He said, it's your father's good pleasure. That means this brings him joy. This is something he enjoys doing. He wants to do this. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants to give you things. He wants to bless you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to provide for you. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, my purpose, which understand, if this was the purpose of Jesus, this is the purpose of God because God, Jesus came only to do the will of the father. So the purpose of Jesus is the purpose of God. This is the will of God. My purpose is, is to look at this, give them, talking about me and you, give us a rich and satisfying life. Like that's what God wants to do for you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to hook you up. He wants to give you a rich and satisfying life. Can I get an amen on that one? So God's a giver. You say, well, Pastor Josh, what does this have to do with worship? It has everything to do with worship. Because God is a giver, it's his nature, it's who he is. He cannot receive anything from you without giving in response. He's going to give you something back. That's how he rolls. And so when you give God your worship, he's going to give you back something. It's kind of like this. How many of you played tag in elementary school? Anybody play tag? Okay, tag's real simple. And there's a reason why it get, continues to get played in playground after playground. My grandpa played tag, I'm sure. My dad played tag. I played tag when I was in elementary school. My kids, I hear, I hear them talking about playing tag. The men are going to play tag with bows and arrows soon. We play tag, right? And, and tag is pretty simple. We can play it, you know, and, and doesn't, it's not a whole lot of rules, and that's why it's so easy to do. But there was one rule that, that we had when we played tag. You guys probably know it. No tag backs, right? Why? Because there was that one kid who, in like third grade, became a man, you guys know this kid? It was Brandon Anderson when he was in elementary school. When he hit fourth grade, he was like full size, just like he had a beard and everything. Like that happens. There's that one kid that just blows up. I, my sister was that way. Like I don't ever remember my sister not being like a woman. She was always a woman, right? And there's those kids, they just grow. They're bigger than everybody else. And so there's that kid in your class that was bigger. He has a longer reach. And if you don't play no tag backs because their reach is longer than yours, you're always going to be it because you tag them and they immediately, and you're long, they've got a longer reach than you, so there's nothing you can do about it. Now, here's what I'm telling you this. Uh, God is really good at tag. And God does not abide by this no tag back rule. And God has a really long reach. And if you touch God, he is always going to touch you back. So here's what you understand. You are always it. Yeah. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're always it. You're always you cannot touch God and him not tag you back immediately. This is, this is who God is, okay? So understand this. Because that's the nature of God, God is a giver. Here's what happens. When you worship God, when you express your love towards God, you touch God with your love. And when you're touching him, understand this. This is incredible. You're touching him with the one thing he doesn't already have. 
Hey, anybody know anybody that is, you, everybody knows this. Everybody has somebody in their life that's hard to shop for, right? You have anybody in your life that's hard to shop for? Like, you, it's Christmas time, and they're the last person on your list because it's really hard to shop for this person. And, and here, I was thinking about it this week, earlier this week, and here's what I came up with. I think I figured out what the problem is. It's not that that person is just a difficult person to shop for. It's that you can't think of anything to get them that really equals the value that they have in your life that's within your budget, really. <laughs> like my dad, my, my dad is this person in my life. Like every year we're going, what do we give him? Because he's got a lot of stuff. And he just tends to the stuff he wants. He just goes out and gets it. And so Christmas rolls around and you're thinking of all these things and he's already got them all. Like I, if I had like $50,000, sure, I could get him some stuff he doesn't have. But within the budget I have to express my love to him, it's hard for me to find. So I have to work really hard and think and come up with something. Now think about this, okay? God owns everything, right? Like the Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Like the cattle, that's a lot of cows. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. That means everything in this earth. The Bible talks about how he, he, he owns the entire universe. Like what's here on the earth and outside, this, he, he owns it all. So what do you give the guy who owns everything already? You're giving the one thing he doesn't already possess. And you know what that is? That's your love. See, you were given a free will. God didn't create robots. He didn't create puppets. He created people who had the ability to choose to love God if they wanted to. And in doing so, it's the only thing in the entire universe that God does not already possess is your love. You have to give it to him. And also understand this, it is the thing that he desires most in this world. It's why he created this world. It's to have, he created a world for people that he could have a relationship with. And so when you come to God and worship, you are giving him something that is of extreme value to him. You're giving him the thing that he wants the most in the universe and the only thing he doesn't have. And because it's the nature of God to give back, when you, here's what happens. When you come to God and worship and you express your love to him and give him that one thing that he desires, that he needs to have, that he doesn't already have, what does he do? He touches you back. And what does he give you? He gives you in the area of your need. He gives to you in the area of your desire. He gives you that thing that you don't already possess that you need to possess. This is some good preaching, people. This is the heart of God for you. And this is what takes place when you worship God. So here's point number four. If you touch God in worship, he will touch you in worship. If you come into worship with an approach, not a what about Bob approach to worship, right? You guys remember what about Bob? Give me, give me, give me. I need, I need. Like when he's desperately needing some counseling. And some of us, that's how we come to worship. God, give me, give me, give me. I need. No, 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 no. How we approach the Lord in worship is God, I'm giving to you. I'm giving you my love. I'm giving you my heart. I'm giving you my all. And as you do that, as you reach out to touch him, he touches you back. And his touch is life-changing. In fact, a lot of times in Scripture, when it talked about the touch of Jesus, it used the Greek word uh, haptome. And, and here's what that word means. Haptome means to fasten oneself to, to adhere to, to cling to, to fasten a fire to, to kindle, to set on fire. This is the touch in, in the Bible that you would see when Jesus would touch somebody and they would leave healed. They would leave, they would be demon-possessed and they would leave freed. They would be blind and now they can see. They would be crippled and now they could walk. It was a life-changing touch. And listen, my friends, 
The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so this same Heptome touch of Jesus Christ is available to people today. If we will reach out and express our love to God and touch Him, we'll receive this kind of touch in our life. That's what He wants to do. You remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood? If you want to read it this week, Mark chapter 5, Luke chapter 8, you can read a couple accounts of it. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I tend to go back to this story a lot because there's just so much in it. There's a woman and she has a hemorrhage of blood in her body. And this hemorrhage has caused incredible uh, pain and suffering for her. She's, she's had it for 12 years and she has lost all of her money. She spent all of her money on doctors trying to get it fixed. Because it's an issue of blood in the culture she lived in, she was separated from society. She was considered unclean, so she couldn't have relationship with people who were considered clean. So we don't know. She may have lost her family, her marriage. We don't know what's been taken away from her. Because it's an issue of blood, blood you, you have a loss of blood in your body, it, it makes you more tired. It causes you to have struggle, trouble breathing. I mean, this has affected and touched her in every area of her life. And so she comes to Jesus because she hears about this Jesus, this man who is, who's touching people and healing people. And so she works her way to him and, and he's in this crowd of people. There's all these people around him and she works her way through this crowd and, and she reaches out. She, she gets it in her head. If I can just touch him, I'm going to be healed. I'm, everything's going to change. And so it says this in Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter five, verse 29, she reaches out and says, and immediately as she touched him, the fountain of her blood was dried up. The moment she touched him, immediately she received healing. The moment she touched him. What's interesting is in the account in Luke, uh, it talks about how when she touched him that Jesus stopped and he looks around at his disciples and he's in a huge crowd of people. And and he he looks around at his disciples and he says, who touched me? And his disciples are looking at him like, dude, Jesus, like, you know, this is the, the fair. Like, it's like being at the fair in the run. Like, everybody's here. Like, everybody's touching you. There's people touching all of us. Like, what do you mean? And Jesus says this in Luke 8, verse 46. Notice these words. He said, somebody deliberately. Everybody say deliberately. deliberately. Someone deliberately touched me. For I, I felt the healing power go out from me. What was different about her touch? There's a lot of people touching Jesus brushing up against Jesus, her touch was deliberate. And because she deliberately touched Jesus, what happened? Because it's the nature of God. He cannot, he's got to give. As soon as she touched him, she received her healing. He immediately touched her back. If you'll touch God, he'll touch you. If you'll reach out and touch him, you're going to receive something from God. You're going to receive a touch from him if you'll just be intentional. Now, now here's what, what happens sometimes if we're not careful. If we're not careful, we can come into atmospheres like this at church where we are in, a, in an atmosphere where the presence of God is there. Jesus shows up. And there's a bunch of us here. And, and Jesus is here. And we, if we're not careful, if we're not intentional in trying to deliberately touch him with our worship, we can be in his atmosphere. We can be brushing up against him. But notice in that crowd, there was only one person that received something. It was the person that deliberately touched him. There was a lot of people brushing up against him, casually touching him, but she was the only one that received something because she was deliberate. My question to you is, when was the last time you came into an atmosphere of worship and said, God, I'm going to deliberately touch you. I'm, this is not about me. This is about you. I'm going to touch you right now. I'm going to reach out and express my love to you. If you find yourself going, I, I don't feel like I'm receiving anything from God. My question to you is, how's your worship life? And when I say your worship life, understand, I'm not just talking about this. 
Because it's more than this. It's got to be something that's happening every day. See, if we're going to be worshipers, if we're creating worshipers, that can't just be a once a week encounter. In fact, let, I'm going to give you seven things as we close this morning. Seven things that you can do to help you to, to create habits of worship in your life. Because see, if we're going to become the worshipers God's called us to be, and because we're already worshipers, if we're going to fix our worship on God, we're going to have to be intentional. We're going to have to be habitual. We're going to have to have some habits in our life that help us create this in such a way that we're focusing and fixing our worship and our love on God the way it's supposed to be. So what do we do? Here's the first thing you got to do. You got to come to this understanding. Church isn't enough church isn't enough. When the Bible talks about worship, it talks about how through worship you can break chains of bondage off of you. How through worship you can silence the enemy. And that word silence actually means you can, you can send him running in the other direction. The devil's coming against you. You can silence him and send him running through worship. The Bible says through worship you can encounter the presence of God in a more tangible way. I just told you, through worship, you can express your love to God and he can express you and meet you in your area of need. So my question to you is this, is once enough enough for you? Because it ain't for me. (laughs) Like I need that daily. Like I need God helping me break chains off of me on a daily basis. I need, I got an enemy who's attacking me on a daily basis. I need to send him running in the other direction on a daily basis. Not just once a week, on a daily basis. I need to receive, I need to express my love to God so I can see him express his love to me on a daily basis. I need his presence, his anointing with me on a daily basis. So if I'm going to do that, I have to pursue worshiping him on a daily basis. So here's seven things you can do. Here's the first one. Number one is worship first. Worship first. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates. Notice, we enter his gates. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. And praise his name. When you worship God, you... Here's what happens. God's omnipresent. He's there. Uh, The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. He's there. He's waiting. He's waiting for the opportunity for you to invite him in. And through worship, what you're doing is you're... It's not that all of a sudden he shows up on the scene. It's it's you become more aware. And your heart posture becomes, God, I'm welcoming you into my life. And I'm welcoming you in, not just for this moment, but for the rest of my day. Because once you invite him in, he'll stay with you. And he'll be with you and he'll lead you and he'll guide you. And so how, what does this look like? Well, well, if you're one of those gifted people that can play, a, you know, an instrument, a guitar or a piano or whatever, you got a beautiful voice, then, you know, you know how to, you probably know how to worship. You get out your instrument and you, you do that. But maybe you're like the rest of us and you're not a very good singer and you can't, I play the drums. Like it's hard to worship God with the drums. I guess you can clang the cymbals, but, but I don't know. It's just. So what do I do? I, I got to get a worship CD or I get on to our, our new song, Spotify. You need to know, new song people, look on Spotify. We got playlists on there. One of our playlists is a quiet time playlist. You put that playlist on and it's not so that it can be background music. You, you're going to pick some songs out of that playlist that you know that maybe we sing here and you're going to sing along with those songs and you're going to lift your hands and you're going to worship God and you're going to spend a little bit of time at the beginning of your day in your quiet time worshiping God, expressing your love to him so that you can encounter his presence and welcome him into your day so that he can be a part of your day and he can minister to you throughout your day. So we start our day with worship, worship first. Here's the second thing you can do. Count your blessings. Notice what the end of that verse says. We enter his gates with thanksgiving praise. Go into his courts. Give thanks to him. That, another translation says, be thankful, thankful, full of thanks and praise his name. 
A few years ago, my wife Sarah went on this year-long journey of thankfulness. And she decided that for a year, she was going to find, she was going to make a list every day of things to be thankful for until at the end of a year, she had 10,000 things to be thankful for. So for so many days, she, she listed out 26 things a day. And then for so many days, she listed out 27 things until at the end of a year, 365 days, she had thanked God for, for 10,000 things. This is my wife, Sarah. She's a saint, right? And so she started this and, and, and she blogged it and she would write what God was showing her and then she'd write this list out and I would, I would read it and I'd read it at night and, and it was cool because I remember like realizing like, oh, I'm making the list. Like I, I made, I wasn't even really trying today and I made the list. I, like that's pretty cool. And then I remember I'd be driving around. I remember one day I was driving around. I was thinking, what else can I do to make her list today? <laughs> and as I was thinking about that, I felt like God show up in my car. And when I say that, I don't mean like all of a sudden, like God was, Jesus was sitting there going, hey, Josh. And I'm like, no, no, no. It was just, I, I got, I could just sense the peace of God. And, and I got a thought. And my thought was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, showing me something. And, and I felt like, here's what God said. As I'm thinking, I'm thinking, how can I make her list? Here's what God said. That's the, that's the heart approach I have to you. See, here, here's, what, here's how God is in your life. When you're thankful, he wants to find more reasons to make you thankful. He wants to make your list. So my question is, do you have a list? He wants to, to give you more reasons to have a list. Are you thanking God? Are you spending any time? This is an act of praise, to spend time thanking the Lord and, and, and re- realize, recognizing all the things he's done. Maybe you say, well, Pastor Josh, I don't have a lot of things to be thankful for. Well, I'll give you one. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He, he hung on a cross and died a... a grisly death, took stripes on his back so that you could have healing, made a way so that you could have salvation. If you got nothing else to be thankful for, you can always be thankful for that. Because of him, we can have a relationship with God. Because of him, we can step into salvation. Because of him, everything is possible through Jesus Christ. We can always be thankful for him. So, uh, so we, we make a list, count your blessings, think of all the things that God's done for you. Here's, here's number three, another way. You're, we're talking about creating habits of worship. Here's something you can do. Do what feels uncomfortable in a comfortable setting. Okay, here's what I mean by that. Maybe you find yourself like in a church setting like this with a bunch of people around you, and you, 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 you see people worshiping, you see people with their hands raised, maybe you see people getting down on their knees and worshiping God and you're just like, oh, I just, I can't do that. Like, that, I'm just not real comfortable with that. I don't feel, okay, so do what feels uncomfortable in a comfortable setting. When you're at home by yourself in your worship time, your quiet time with the Lord, do those things. Lift your hands, because you're not trying to manipulate. You're not trying to impress anybody. This is just between you and God. Get on your knees then. Maybe you hear these songs sometimes, and then we talk about bowing down before the Lord, and you're just kind of like, oh, I, I would do that, but all these people around me, and listen, I get it. I've been there. I used to think this. I used to sit in worship atmospheres and just think, oh, I, I, I don't want to overdo this because people around me. But what happened is, as I began to start having a personal relationship with God, a personal worship time with God, it began to transform the way I thought about worship. Amen. And when I'm here worshiping on Sunday morning, I'm not thinking about you guys. Amen. Sorry, I'm just not. What I'm thinking about is, is Jesus. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress Him. I want Him to see the posture of my heart. I want Him to say that, Whatever you want for me. If, if I feel you telling me to bow down, I'm going to get on my knees. You want me to raise my hands? I'll lift them as high as I can. 
You guys follow me? Yeah. Do what feels like. And I'll tell you, if you start to, to practice this at home, what will happen is you'll find yourself, when you get in this atmosphere, it gets a lot easier to do it. Because yeah. you learn how to make worship about you and him, not about everybody else. All right, so do what feels uncomfortable in a comfortable setting. Here's number four. Submit your body in worship. Maybe you find yourself sometimes struggling with your body. Your flesh tends to want to do stuff that you know is wrong, right? Anybody ever struggle with your flesh a little bit? Like that cookie looks really good, but keto, you know, I got to go. Well, Paul told us in Romans 12, he said that we can offer our body as a living sacrifice. And that is, it is an act of worship. It's an acceptable act of worship to the Lord is what he tells us. So that's something that you can do. And if you're, str- especially if you're struggling with, in an area of, of your flesh, is to begin to submit your flesh, offer your body as a living sacrifice. So here's what that looks like. Lord, here are my hands. I ask you to use them to, to heal the broken in this world. Work through my hands. Help me to build your kingdom here in this world through my hands. Lord, here are my feet. Lead me to people who need you. Lead me to people who don't know you. Lead me away from things that would cause me to sin and cause, cause me to stumble. Uh, Lord, hear my ears. I, I pray that you would help me to hear the, the cry in this world, the brokenness of this world. I pray that th- today, that as I go through my day, I'm going to speak words of faith. And what I'm going to hear in my own ears is, my, is your word coming out of my mouth. Uh, Lord, hear my eyes. Help me to see people in this world like you see them. I, I pray that I would have the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened. And I'd see things in people that I can't see with my natural eyes. I pray that you would you'd keep me from looking at things that would cause me to stumble. I pray that I'd make a covenant with my eyes to, to stay far away from things that are sinful and wrong. Lord, here's my face. Sometimes we need to submit our face to the Lord, right? You ever see that person with just a sour face? You know? They need to tell their face that Jesus is alive. <laughs> Lord, here's my face. Here's my smile, God. I pray that I'd be light in this world. Help me. You know, I, I try to smile at people. You're walking into Target, smile at people. I remember when we went to New York a few months back. I'd smile at people. They looked at me like I was crazy. Like, what are you doing? Stop it. Okay, sorry. But smile. smile. Everybody smile. smile. There you go. See, that's nice, isn't it? Very good. All right. Submit your body to God and worship. Here's number five. Look for praise breaks. Look for praise breaks. You know, we have breaks in our day. Things that we do to break away, we, we have lunch, take a lunch break. Whether you're at school or you're in the workplace, you have a lunch break. Uh, some of you have smoke breaks, and we're praying for you. You're going to get redeemed. You're not going to hell, but you smell like it. Smoke break. <laughs> Sorry, that's an old joke. We got breaks in our day. A praise break is just that. It's, a, it's, it's breaking away from our routine to just take a moment to praise God and to worship God. And it doesn't have to be, I'm not saying you got to take a 45 minute break. I mean, it can be 30 seconds. It can be two minutes. It can be five minutes, but you're going to break away from your routine. And I'm not saying that you, you know, you're in your office and all of a sudden you stand up and glory. Like, no, you don't do that. My pastor said to do it. What church you go to? I'll never go there. No, 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 do that. No, this is just you. So you kind of step away. And one of the things, here's, here's a little hit, tip on how to do this. You got a, you got a smartphone, set some alarms. That, you know, every few hours, alarm's going to go off and it's going to say, a little label's going to say praise break. And you're going to stop what you're doing. You're going to close your computer. You're going to stop any kind of work that you're doing and you're going to just pull away for a minute. And you're going to say, Jesus, I love you. And I'm, I'm stopping right now because you are Lord of my life. And I got a lot to do. 
But, but right now, I want you to know I love you. And I'm inviting you in right now. I need you. And I love you. Thank you for all you've done for me. You know, one, one of my praise breaks is, is 5 o'clock every day. I get in my car and I drive home. And, and, and on like, especially like Monday and Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday are my, a lot of my writing days for the week. So I'm, I'm studying the word and I'm reading and I'm writing and putting these messages together. And mentally, a lot of times those days, I am exhausted by the end of the day. And I'm driving home, but listen, I got a family waiting for me at home. And they don't need an exhausted dad. They need, they need a dad that can be an example to them of the love of the father. Because that's what I'm called to do. So I take a little praise break in my car at five o'clock as I drive home. And I say, Jesus, help me. Help me to be an example to my children. Help me to wash my wife with the water of the word. Help me to bless her. Help me to see things, the needs that she may have and, and meet those needs. Help me to minister to my kids. Help me to see my kids the way I need to see them. God, I need you. I'm inviting you in. I love you. Thank you for my children. I thank you that my kids are at home right now. They're not, they're not sick. They're not in the hospital. I thank you, Jesus, that, that we got food on the table, that our pantries are loaded with things. You've, you've done so much for us, God. Thank you for what you've done for us. Just take a little praise break. In fact, we're going to take a praise break right now. Would you stand with me? And we're just going to take a moment and I'm just going to show you how you do this. You're just going to take a moment and we're just going to engage with the heart of God. We're going to express our love to God, all right? So lift your hands. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Come on, I'm not, this isn't my praise break. This is our praise break. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you've done for us. We thank you for the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've given us. We thank you that we were going to hell, but you saved us. We thank you that we're healthy. We may have things going on in our life right now, but ultimately, God, you are God and you are Lord of all. And we love you in faith in spite of what we may be seeing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now have a seat. That was a praise break. You just did one. It's not hard, is it? You can do that. Take a praise break every once in a while. Set some alarms. All right, here's number six. Sing a new song to the Lord. You know, new song is not just the name of a church. It's actually something God has called us to do in worship. In fact, the Bible says this, Psalms 96 verse 1 says, Sing to the Lord a new song. What's a new song? It's a song you write to God. You say, woo, (laughs) Pastor Josh, I am not a songwriter. Like, that's not my thing. That's okay. God doesn't care. What he cares about is that it's from you. Last Sunday, uh, I had my notebook. This is my little notebook that I have every week. My notes are in it. And I had this sitting on the kitchen counter where it is every Saturday night. And when I went to to grab it to come to church, there was a card sitting on top of it from my wife, Sarah. Last week was our three-year anniversary as a church. And so she, she gave me a card and she she wrote in it this little letter to me that was just telling me how grateful she is and how anointed I am and just kind of charged me up and then talked about this church and how much she loves the church and just wrote me this sweet little note. And I got that note and man, it ministered to my heart. And, and here it is a week later. I cannot tell you what the front of that card said. I cannot tell you what the, like the, the, the message was that, the, that came with the card. You know how you buy cards and like there's people that write cards, like that's their job. Like there's staffs that they come up with these cards and they design them and they put those little notes inside of them. And that's all great. That's great. But, but I don't care about that. What I care about is her personal love letter to me. This is what a new song is to the Lord. It's great that there's people like, like Hillsong and Bethel that write these great songs. And we love to sing those songs. Those are great songs. But you know what? God wants to hear your personal love letter. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to rhyme. You know, my, my daughter Bo, she'll, she'll write me a card every once in a while. And she'll create it. Like she'll get a piece of paper and fold it in half and draw a picture on the front and write a little note on the inside. And I'm just going to be real with you. It's not a masterpiece. 
Like she'll spell words wrong and she'll draw stuff that's way out of proportion. Like, why am I so much bigger than everybody else in the family? I don't know. But I don't get it and like get a red pen and go, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. Try again. No, no, no. I get it. I'm like, this is awesome. And you know what? I keep those. Why? Because it's her expression of love to me. It's not perfect, but it's from her heart. Your expression of love and that song that you write to the Lord that doesn't rhyme, it doesn't make sense. And I've been worshiping God with, my, with a new song myself before and I found myself just laughing because it was so bad. But I know God's not. He loves that. So write a new song to the Lord. Here's number seven. Be the worship leader in your home. Let me talk to you parents for a moment. Parents, understand this. Your little kids were created to be worshipers. And they're going to worship something. And we can either be parents who train them in the way they should go, or we can just allow that to just happen. And your kids are going to worship little gods. They're going to worship Fortnite. And they're going to worship football and cheerleading and relationships. And they're going to think that those are the idols of their life. And so that's what they're going to pursue. Or you as a parent could be an example to them of what this looks like. See, in my house, I'm the pastor of New Song Church, right? But I'm also the pastor of my family. And we have church at home sometimes where me and Sarah get the kids and we bring them in and I'll, I'll put it together a little lesson for them and we'll do church at home and we'll, put, we'll do some songs, kids songs. And so when we do these kids songs, listen, I got to get up and I got to dance around and do the motions to these things. And, and then I, I lift my hands during that song and I worship with all those little guys, my four-year-old daughter up to my 10-year-old son. I'm, worship, I'm setting an example for them. You say, Pastor Josh, I'm just not real comfortable with that. Oh, Really? I doubt Jesus was real comfortable dying on the cross for your sins. That, that probably was a little uncomfortable. But, but he did it. Why? Because it's what you needed the most in this world. You needed a Savior, so he came to fulfill the role you needed him to fulfill for you. Listen, parents, God has called you to fulfill a role in your child's life. And one of those roles is to be a worship leader, to show them what it looks like to raise your hands and worship God got to take this stuff seriously. You were created for worship. Worship is not hard. It's simply love expressed. It's us expressing our love to God in response to the love he's already shown us. Because God is a giver. Every time we do it, he's going to express love back. He's going to touch you. His reach is long. You're always it. So church, I want to encourage you. I want to be a church. I don't want to be a church full of people that casually bump up against God. I want to be a church full of people who are all deliberately touching Jesus. That's the kind of church that's going to change this city. That's the kind of church that's going to change this state. That's the kind of church that can change this world. That's who we have to be. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.